Welcome to the podcast, Most People Don't But You Do. We have stories and conversations about people that are exceptional, people that are going above and beyond, people that are serving the underserved. We have very special guests today, and I wanna read a little bit about them before we dive into questions. We also have the pleasure of having our youngest guest on the episode. We have over 114 guests so far. Emily, everything ranging from the president of Carnival Cruise Lines to members of executive director companies to my mother and my father-in-law. But you have the distinct honor of being the youngest guest. So today we're going to be talking to Emily Camacho. She is a sophomore in high school, lives in the state of Washington. We're also going to be talking with Melanie Forti. Melanie is the Health and Safety Programs Director, and she is also the Campaign Director for Children in the Fields campaign. Uh, she joined AFOP, which is, is Association of Farm Worker Opportunity Programs. We'll get into what that means in just a little bit. I'm going to do my best to kind of summarize what I've learned about AFOP. So Association of Farm Worker Opportunity Programs, AFOP. I'll give out the web address later. But I was asked to speak at your, your national convention, and I met the most amazing people. Emily and Melanie, I wrote a story about it recently. And our friend Naomi, who was also on the team with Melanie and with Daniel Sheehan, the executive director, the title of it was I Cried at Work. And the reason why I wrote that is that my work is now speaking in front of audiences and sharing good messages. But I cried when I was speaking to this group, to AFOP, because of the generosity that I felt in the room for helping other people. And if I were to ask, Melanie, I'm going to ask you the mission of AFOP and kind of what you do. Would you mind explaining to our listeners, because you can do certainly a better job, and then we're going to get into some great questions for Emily Camacho, and we're probably going to go a little bit back and forth. So, Melanie, with regard to AFOP, how would you describe what your organization does and who you help? Sure thing. Thank you, first of all, for having us in this wonderful podcast about APOP. We are an association and our mission basically is to improve the quality of life of all farm workers through workforce development and other health and safety programs. So we uh, focus um, providing farm workers with those skills that they need so they can have uh, better incomes to support their families because agricultural work doesn't pay much. And you can see the, the community struggling every day. And with our National Farm Worker Jobs Program, we're able to provide them with those skills that they need to have better jobs. For example, just being hypothetical, yeah. um, if, if, for picking fruits, you get paid $7 an hour, but uh, to drive a tractor is $10 an hour. Well, these organizations, they provide them with the, the trainings and the skills so farm workers can now start driving tractors and have a better income. So yeah. that's kind of like a summary of what yeah. we no, and I love it. And I wanted to make sure that I'm very sensitive to when I present it to the group. I, again, I do a lot of research trying to understand who the members are, who the attendees are. And I also want to make sure that I'm using the right words. 
And I think it was our friend Naomi who kind of shared with me that you can summarize it like, like kind of like this, that the goal is to elevate the lifestyle if of farm workers, of migrant farm workers, and perhaps consider getting them off of the picking trail. And I'm going to ask Emily a question along those lines, because I didn't know what a picking trail was, to be very honest. And I did not know what a migrant worker was. I actually had to look it up because I was embarrassed to ask. Emily, is that something that you're comfortable kind of sharing with our listeners? How would you define what a migrant worker is and what the picking trail is? I would say a migrant worker would be like just someone who works in the fields or just um, immigrates to like different um, states or just to a different country to um, work and get a better paid paid range. And I think that's just something that maybe like people just do to possibly, how would you say it, increase their future, have a better life for their for their family. Yeah. Yeah. No, well said. Well said. And again, it's just going to be a conversation like this. And thank you for answering that. And the way that I was also interpreting to friends after I got done with the conference and was so emotionally touched by everything. And Emily is the first place essay winner in a contest they had for ages 14 to 18. I will read some things, but it was the art and essay contest, 2023 migrant and seasonal farm worker children program. And the theme was the children behind the food we eat. And here's the program, right? I bought one, I'm holding on to it. And I reference it for inspiration. When I was asking again about migrant farm work, someone had explained it to me like this, Emily, and tell me if this applies to your family or applies to people that you know, that maybe your parents are working in the field, and they're picking fruits and vegetables, and maybe they start on the West Coast. And when that season is done, they maybe have to pack up the family or move away from their family to the Midwest, where there's a different season for things that need to be picked and harvested. And then when that is done, maybe they have to go all the way to the East Coast to find and pick other fruits and vegetables based on seasonal things. Sometimes the families, again, tell me if this sounds familiar or if I'm correct in my statement, sometimes the families go with them, which makes it very hard for people to go to school. And sometimes maybe the family doesn't go with them, which makes it kind of sucky because your parents or your your mother, your father, your sisters, your brothers are not living at home. Is, is that an accurate description? And can you? Yeah, that would be yeah. accurate. Yeah. Okay. And I would say we relate to that sometimes. I think it's hard for those people whose parents like move and immigrate immigrate to follow the harvest and you having to stay in the area because of school and because of the opportunities you're going to miss out from immigrating so often. Yeah. Follow the harvest. And that was a term that I hadn't learned until just now. So thank you. Follow the harvest. Now, can you share your story, Emily, but where did your parents grow up? And can you, well, let me just start that way. Um, Where did your parents grow up? And when did your family move to the state of Washington? Both my parents grew up in Mexico in a small town called San Luis, San Ciro de Acosta de San Luis Potosí. And my dad was the first to immigrate at the age of 16. And after that, my mom immigrated as well with him. And after 
after living here for a while, they started working in the fields because of the lack of school they had over in Mexico. And they started working in the fields. They couldn't really have the opportunity to get what they missed out in Mexico. So the school years, the like bachelors, AA, like all that, they didn't have the opportunity. So their only option was to work in the fields. Shortly after they had my older sister, and then they had my second older sister, which is the middle child, and then they had me. We have a pretty big age gap with me and my middle sister. But at the age at the age of like pretty much when I was born, I started going with my parents in the fields and I was just in the car, obviously like months old. And they would just kinda like leave us there and in the little like apple bins and we would be in there and my sisters would be helping me taking care of me while my parents were working and obviously that's something different from a lot of people's people's childhood that they grew up i did not grow up going being at home during the weekends or during the week i was with my parents working and i think that definitely taught me a valuable lesson throughout the years that like hard work does like the money you earn, you have to work for it. Yeah, no, for sure. And do you know, was there, do you know the reason why they left Mexico and migrated to the West Coast of the U.S.? Better opportunities just for the children that they wanted to have. And they just wanted to expand their, the opportunities that they can get and the, just the money and the, like the better, like, medical the better just provide better for their family yeah and melody i'm going to go back to you here just for a few questions as well is that your sense of most of the families that afop is helping is that a similar scenario of what you've heard yeah definitely why would you leave your own country when you love it so much unless there's a need for you to have a better quality of life And that's what happens many times is that people come to the U.S. just to find better opportunities, Emily was saying. Uh, And most of the time, the first job they can find is just being an ag worker. And then they move on to other sectors, of, of course, depending on what state and where they're located. And those who stay working in agriculture, they either, like you were saying, they either migrate from state to state or they're just seasonal where they they stay in one state um, working uh, the harvest season. But those that migrate, sometimes they migrate by themselves and they stay in migrant uh, camps, migrant housing. Sometimes they migrate with their families. And what happens is that when they migrate with their families, there there is instability for the children, especially um, because they have to move from school to school. They don't get to make real friends. When they get to one school, they're the level of education in the school might be different than the other one. So they, they're always trying to catch up at school. So yeah. it makes it difficult in terms of education. Yeah, and I guess that's probably one of the greatest challenge that families move from different parts of different countries to come to the United States to, to in, involve themselves, to engage, to aspire, to have a better life, right? Not necessarily maybe even immediately for them, And I think that, Emily, that's probably the really interesting thing. Think about your mom and your dad. 
and not knowing probably anybody and deciding, okay, we're going to try because we want to have children and we want them to have a better life. Yet, when they come here without the help and the resources of individuals, Melanie, like yourself, like individuals, your teamwork, Daniel Sheehan, Amy Romanchuk, and all the other team members with AFOP, in all the members, the partner agencies, right, that are members of AFOP, it would be really, really difficult to do that. Because as you just described, moving from place to place to place to place uh, is not easy, changing schools, changing schools. Emily, I'd like to hear more about your story. Did you ever have to change schools and change schools and change schools? I just said that three times. (laughs) No, some our parents were seasonal workers, so they would work during the harvest season. And so we didn't have to immigrate and which was something good, but also something bad because you didn't have to be trapped. You didn't have to be immigrating from the East Coast to the West Coast or et cetera. So you had to you got to have the opportunity to stay with your family. But also it came the cons where you your parents only worked for a certain amount of months or a certain amount of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So there was if there's only jobs for a few months, then that's it. Then the other time trying to find other ways for for revenue. Emily, do you know how your family has benefited from AFOP, where where your parents or anyone that's able to use the services to elevate the, their lifestyle. I know personally it has helped you because you've gotten amazing exposure, amazing recognition by your writing. But do you are there any resources that you think your family has used or people that you know that are like, you know what? they were able to do this as a result of working with AFOP? I would say that more, they are like the people who own the the fields and just people in general are more aware of the child protection laws and the worker protection laws. Before then, they didn't know they had these rights and the children had these rights. So I think AFOP has helped them be more aware of the rights they have. Yeah. And that was a really tough question. I realized as soon as I asked it, I was like, oh my gosh, that's a hard one. But well said and well spoken. Melanie, can you- It was sh- a great answer. <laughs> yeah, amazing, right? Talk about the poise, Emily. I- I've been in the in the business world for a long time and I am so impressed, impressed by your persona, your poise, your- ability of sharing ideas, obviously, not only through writing, but I heard you in front of an audience of 400 and 450 people. And you did a phenomenal job. I'm so excited to see what the future is going to hold for you. Back to Melanie. Melanie, not just probably one or two more questions. And then just a few more for Emily. And thank you. I know we are recording this the day before Thanksgiving. So happy Thanksgiving in advance. Melanie, what would you um, all the different resources, and these these are things I learned from talking to people at the conference, of course. You have member agencies that are all around the country, and one individual, uh, let's say, is um, working with 18 clients. And when they say clients, they are individuals that are out there working, and they are trying to help give them resources. So whether it's education, whether it's health, whether it's different types of benefits, whether it's 
They want to go back to school to get different types of education. They want to get certified to do a better job, get a better job or a higher paying job, not a better job, a higher paying job. Do you have any examples of of success stories, I guess, what you maybe have seen? Because you've been with AFOP since 2009, and thank you for your generosity to help others. Any success stories that you could kind of share about there's a family that needed this and they took advantage of the resources and now they're doing why? Yeah, definitely. Um, There's so many uh, success stories, starting from the same staff of our member agencies. Um, Many of them, they came from working in the fields and now they're servicing farm workers through these member organizations. Recently at conference, we had some success stories told as well. This person that came had no job, had lost everything, and they came to our member agency. They trained him. They helped them with the housing, maybe gave them groceries in the meantime. And um, after that, this person now is driving trucks, making uh, decent money to sustain his family. So stories like that happen so often. And um, it's just amazing how um, these amazing people are able to succeed and and have a light at the end of the tunnel when you see you you see yourself that there might not be any options to succeed or to have a better quality of life and then our member agencies are able to provide that for them and help them um, with their with all the services they provide it's just amazing to see yeah. So the first session that that I shared with everyone as a keynote was talking about right doing for yourself because there's such a generosity and so much giving that it was a reminder these are a few things that you can do to make sure that you're taking care of yourself that your cup is full. So that would go out to the member agencies that are working with individuals trying to help them working with the farm workers. So that was one one component. The second component, I guess right after was the breakout session and I asked the question who started off as a migrant or seasonal farm worker? And I would say probably 70% of the people raised their hand. Yes. Which just goes to your point of they experienced it. They know that there's resources to help people and they don't want people to go through what they had gone through. They want to give them the resources. And to me, that is just such care that is unusual with any organization. I, I'm just, I'm so thankful for what you all do. Um, it's kind of like paying it forward. Yes, yes. Melanie, I know at a certain point you might need to jump off, which is fine, but I do have a few more questions for Emily. Uh, and again, we are speaking with Emily Camacho. She is a sophomore, lives in the state of Washington. She is the SA winner, and we're going to quote some of her things, and I would love your interpretation. We're also speaking... Bart? Yes. I, would li- I would like to say that she's won first prize like three or four times already. Yeah. So I told my she's I, amazing. I mean, <laughs> she I, had uh, it's so cool. And I told my wife that as well. So she's excited that I'm ch- chatting with you. But our other guest is Melanie Forti. Uh, she's health and safety programs director, and she's also the campaign director for children in the fields. She has been with AFOP since 2009. Uh, All right, so Emily, the rest of the questions are going to be kind of directed at you. When you, you, in your essay, you write a few things, and let me pull up just a few quotes that I typed out. You share a few things. I am 15 years old on a job resume. 
I would be able to say I have eight years of experience. You were sleeping in your car seat in an empty apple bin inside the orchard. You talk about your you, your hands getting darker and darker, not only from the sun, but also from the dirt, from picking things in the field. Um, what are some of your earliest memories of, of working in the fields? I think some of my earliest memories is just working with my dad and going up and down the ladders, helping him get those top apples that were at the top of the tree because my dad had back problems. So for him to go up and down that ladder, it was difficult for him and to bend over and get the small apples or those apples that were unable for him to reach and just kind of like listening to the stories he had to tell me throughout there and a way of just kind of like bonding with my parents in a different way than a lot of people don't children don't have with that with their parents you're right a lot of times people don't even have the the fortune the good fortune of spending time with their family or sitting down to dinner yet at a very young age so we're thinking like seven years old you were you were helping you were helping yeah melanie the and Emily brought this up about the children's rights, and I'm not using the right terms, but Emily is, how old are you now, Emily? Like 15? 15, yeah. 15, okay. And so we know that when she was seven, she was helping, she was helping, right? She was helping. Can you share with our listeners and with me, what are the regulations? What are the laws to be able to protect kids like Emily, like her cousins, family, siblings, from from not having to do that type of work at such a young age? That's a great question. So with children in the field, that's what we're trying to do is, is to make sure that laws are stronger because at the moment uh, there's a discrepancy between ag uh, workers and their children and other industries. So, for example, a child that is 12 years old can work in the fields with uh, the permission of their parents. Of course, you'll see in the field in many states that there are children uh, younger than 12. You can see Emily, she was seven. Um, In in different reports that we have put together, we made an investigation and we found children as young as five years old working in the field. So these are not, it's, it's not, it's unlawful and somehow it's permitted secretly. So what we're trying to do is raise awareness about what are the laws and what are the child labor rights that children have, and also to increase the the age, because in other industries, a child can be 14 to start working with the permission of their parents, but with ag, it has to be 12 years old. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm sorry to hear, right, that that, that is still happening. But Melanie, it's it's thanks to people like you and to Dan, to Daniel, the your executive director, and to others that you are helping to spread the word. I know there's legislation, and he's very involved with people on the Hill to make sure that people are aware of the challenges and pass the appropriate laws, so it doesn't have to happen. Melanie, before before you uh, need to leave us, what are some things that our listeners can do? to help well definitely support the job that we do either by donations or following us on social media and as 
at CIF campaign to continue spreading the voice and the information that we're putting out there so people can know what are the issues and what's happening in the U.S. We're fighting, we've been talking about child labor in other countries, but it's happening in our own country here in the, in the U.S. Right. So helping us to spread the voice and maybe supporting our, our work either by donation or in getting involved with uh, the Child Labor Coalition, that would be fantastic. Yeah. So I know um, if if individuals go to AFOP.org, they can find a lot of links to the things that you just mentioned. And I know OneDrive, which I thought was really, really cool. And Naomi had even shared with me that hoteliers want to meet with AFOP to be able to host your meetings, right? It's great revenue. People are coming in from all over the place that she's just, well, look, we are running a long sleeve campaign program. And in order to meet with me, you need to donate five or 10 long sleeve shirts so we can then give them out to individuals that are working in the fields. And yeah. you know, that's that's the type of creativity. So if people are thinking, I don't have time to donate, I don't have extra funds. Well, guess what? Can you go around and collect 10 long sleeve shirts that maybe you know you don't wear, your neighbors don't wear anymore and give them and donate them? Like, so it, right, the creativity I think is just, exceptional and there are so many ways that people can help out yeah so every march the last week of march we celebrate the national farm worker awareness week Mm -hmm. and it's a week of action to bring awareness about the issues that farm workers are facing but also to bring light to the contributions that farm workers bring to society and as our action is to collect shirts to help protect farm workers from direct exposure to the sun, but also from direct exposure to pesticide residues. Right. So every year we hold this national long sleeve shirt drive. And so far since 2014, I think we've re- we've, we've collected over a hundred and thousand long sleeve shirts and they've been handed out to the farm worker community. They get super excited when they receive them. Oh. And um, at the same time, we're helping them protect themselves. Yeah. And Melanie, you said something about, you know, the contributions that the farm workers have. And Emily, this is going to then turn on to you. You had talked about being in a store and seeing an apple, right? You're at a local grocery store and you see a beautiful, glossy apple. So beautiful that you can see your reflection on it as you pick it up and you hold it to your face. You see big brown eyes, dark, muffled, messy hair. You notice your skin looking darker from the countless hours under the sun, but you see a proud smile. A diamond in the rough, just like the apple that I once thinned when it was tiny, that I later picked when it looked dusty and dull, now sitting at this grocery store, beautiful, bright, and appetizing, easily admirable, not telling the story behind it, having no idea on the size of the tiny hands that have picked them or the children behind the food we eat. So well said, Emily. Tell us what you were thinking as you wrote those words. The I was just thinking about my story and how I experienced working in the fields, seeing that that apple in the store was once something I picked and just seeing how dirty and how bad it was when I first picked it and now looking at it in the store and seeing the transition of it and seeing how I the when I picked it it was 
me working. It was me with my muffled hair, having working in the sun for countless of hours and now for it to be at the store and no one kind of like recognizing that, not knowing who picked that apple, not knowing that it was a small hands picking that someone that probably shouldn't have been working in the fields. So I think that was just kind of like a story of my life, just kind of like put in together in two sentences, three. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of apple are you now? I'm not sure. I think we're still going through it. They're still going through the different apples progressing. Yeah. Well, you definitely are progressing and you are a shiny apple. Okay. Never think that you're, you're dirty or dusty or anything else. In your eyes, I can tell, right? You are a shiny apple and the future is certainly going to be bright for you. What else would you like our listeners to know about your story and about how they can help? I think I would just like to let them know and know that there's a lot of things that like the food behind the food we eat. There's so many things that people go through and just for them to go through and experience for that food that we have on our table that sometimes we take advantage of for the opportunities we take advantage of. Like my parents that didn't have that opportunity to finish their schooling in Mexico and for us to have that free schooling here in the U.S. and some and getting that extra help from the government or just having that extra help here in the U.S. and sometimes taking advantage of that. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, and what a perfect time, right? Thanksgiving being tomorrow, that's when we're recording this. What do you want people to think as they sit down to eat? And what will you be thinking of as you sit down to eat a Thanksgiving meal? I think I want people to think about the how be mindful and thankful for their food because they don't know the labor it took to reach their table. Yeah. And I think for me it's also thinking about the the my work and just kind of like how I su- not suffered but just kind of like the work I put in for yeah. me to get where I am today. Yeah. Are you happy, Emily? Yeah. Yes. And and tell me one reason why you're happy. I think one reason I would say is my top is how close I am with my family because of the opportunities that have been brought to me because of them. Yeah. And so, and what an amazing answer, first of all. And as we all try to reflect for Thanksgiving on what we can be grateful for, I can tell you when I'm sitting down tomorrow with my family, I'm going to be thinking something different, Emily. And in fact, I might even take a clip of this and play it for them at the table which is actually a really interesting idea, but I'm going to be thinking differently. And I want them to think differently that it is what are the hands, the tiny hands or the people or the children behind the food that is at our table and be grateful for that. And then also to be grateful and inspired by you, Emily Camacho, because you are looking at your experience, all the things that you have gone through, have elevated you to that one answer of what makes you happy, the time being spent with my family, I'm grateful for. And you didn't say that I'm mad that I had to work in the fields when I was seven years old, or I was kind of raised, or my my older siblings would watch after me, or I was sleeping in a car seat in an empty apple container in the middle of an orchard. It was none of those things. It was the goodness that you shared of being together 
the sacrifices that your parents gave to help elevate you to be an award winner, being educated three or four or five years in a row to be a terrific writer, to be a terrific speaker, and to be able to accomplish things that a lot of other people might not have a chance to accomplish. You are setting a terrific example for us, Emily. And I just wanted to thank you for that. That's what I'm going to be thinking about tomorrow at Thanksgiving. I'm going to be thinking about the tiny hands behind the food that we eat. And I'm going to be thinking about your story. Emily, last question for you, because you are a terrific writer, you're a terrific speaker. What would you like to do? You're sophomore in high school. You are progressing super intently. What do you think you want to do in the future? I think I would like to study nursing or do something in the medical fields. I think it has just showed, like, my experience has just kind of impacted the choice I'm making for my future. Just wanting to give back to the community and helping them. Sometimes not a lot of parents or families can afford to go get themselves checked up and get themselves, like, good and going. Sometimes they just kind of, like, let the small things pass. They might think a bruise on their arm is something normal, but it might be a sign of something else. So I think I just want to give back to the community. Okay. Never, never lose that approach. Never lose that heart. I cannot wait to see where you are going to go. Right, Emily. So if we, if we kind of tag this little video and um, you're going to look at it 10 years from now, you're probably going to be a doctor, a surgeon, um, helping millions of people, and you can show people that this is the basis, this is the foundation that you've never forgotten. This is who you are, and this is how you're progressing. I can't wait to see it. Melanie, we better tag that for at least 10 years, right? Don't you think? Definitely. I'm so proud of Emily. She's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And Melanie, finally, thank you to you for, for you serving the people that deserve it that are underserved, your heart and your generosity is just outstanding. Giving back since 2009, we talked a little bit about your background too. Thank you for doing what you are doing, for being so passionate about helping individuals, helping the children, helping the migrant farm workers. It's just, it's great work that you're doing. And then um, thank you again, thank you, thank you. Uh, Emily, so proud of what you're doing. You are a terrific guest and I have to compliment you here. I used to be a recruiter for a hotel company a long time ago called Ritz-Carlton. Ritz-Carlton, very fancy hotel, even more fancy than the hotel that we were at in the conference, right? That was a great hotel. But just imagine that, but even better service, right? It's just really special. I've interviewed thousands and thousands of people, and your answers were stunning. So on point, so poised, so professional, so specific that anytime anyone interviews you for your doctorate, for your nursing school, for your doctorate school, for all your medical education, keep on giving answers like that. You can tell that your soul and your your soul has already experienced so much. And I'm glad that you're remembering those things and you are bringing them out in ways that are helping people. You better be proud. Let me see you smile. Are you proud? Yeah. Okay. All right, Emily, last, last fill in the blank question for you. The name of the podcast is Most People Don't, But You Do, right? Melanie does. AFOP does. Uh, Daniel does. Naomi does. You certainly do. 
if you had to fill in the blanks, most people don't blank. What would you say? What would you fill in the blank with? Most people don't work in the fields when they're seven years old. <laughs> and what a great way to great end. answer. <laughs> right, great answer. And based on AFOP's work, let's hope that no one that is seven years old or eight years old ever has to work in the field. So I want to thank you both. Emily Camacho, award-winning essay writer, sophomore extraordinaire, again, migrant seasonal farm worker, children essay contest winner. Children in the Fields campaign run by Melanie Forti with Association of Farm Worker Opportunity Programs. For more information, again, AFOP.org. So grateful. And this call, I know, was not easy to schedule, Emily, with your, with your work. No, not with your work schedule, with your school schedule. I know you are a busy young lady. So thank you for taking the time. Melanie, also, thank you for taking the time. It's a really important message to share. And thank you both for helping me to share your stories. I wish thank you, you for both. having us here. It's a pleasure. And we hope that if anything, that people can learn about the, the amazing work that farm workers do and be thankful for the food that they eat every day. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Emily, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Once once we get this promoted, we'll make sure that I send a copy to Melanie so she can share it with you. I want you to share it with your family, with your relatives. I know I had the pleasure of saying hello to your mother at the conference in San Diego, but right, I want even more people to be proud of you. I want to make sure that you are fully proud of yourself too. And thank you for joining the podcast. Most people don't, but you do. You both do. Thank you for having me.